0: Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Trisha Stefankiewicz, a registered dietitian and nutritionist. On our episode today, we are going to extend our women's health series. So last week we talked about um, chronic pain and previously last year we had done a women's health series on different diseases. And um, one of the ones that we didn't cover that we are going to cover today is diabetes. And I wanted to talk about diabetes, and actually this is part one of two episodes of diabetes. Today's episode is basically like an introduction to diabetes, and I consulted with my friend Brenda Blyler, who is actually an endocrine or a diabetes nurse practitioner. Brenda has a full-time job helping lots and lots of people. So she was unable to come on the show. So I took lots of notes. And when I chatted with her, and so uh, a lot of this knowledge is going to come from her. Um, And so yeah, so this is the first episode. And so the next episode, which will be in next week is with a diabetes um, dietitian. Her name is Angela Manderfield. And she actually wrote a book, about um, diabetes prevention, and so she'll come and talk about that. So I wanted to kind of touch base today and just really talk about what diabetes is. I think we all think we know what it is, but when we actually, you know, I'm going to kind of really describe everything that happens with it um, as per Brenda, and I just feel like it's pretty insightful. Diabetes is such an insidious disease, and it causes lots of harm over a very long period of time. And so if it's left untreated, the results can be devastating. I recently um, started working in a dialysis clinic. And the number one reason for renal failure and the need for someone to be on dialysis is actually uncontrolled diabetes. I didn't know that. I always thought it was high blood pressure. So it was shocking to me. But some of the other complications is are blindness and um and numbness in our hands and our feet. There's people that have amputations related to wounds that don't heal because of diabetes. And then also having diabetes damages your um, lots of different vessels, as we'll talk about. And it increases your risk of heart disease and stroke. So I really felt like it's something that we all know somebody who has diabetes because it affects men and women equally. I, in fact, had gotten my blood work done after COVID, some of the restrictions, which was probably about a year and a half ago. Um, I know that some of you guys are still in restrictions. But I ended up having, for the first time, an elevated um, an elevated uh, hemoglobin A1C, which made me pre-diabetic. And it was 5.7, and I was surprised. So I've been working really hard on getting that number down. And honestly, I think... You know, there's a lot of shame when we go to our doctor or guilt that like somehow we feel like we've done this to ourselves. And I know I certainly felt that way. And so I wanted to kind of talk about it today and talk about what it is so that you feel empowered to take action when it comes to your health. That's the whole goal of this podcast is not to have judgment, but to give you the knowledge, because I think especially when it comes to diabetes, it's a really, really hard topic. And I think that it's very oversimplified or not really um, understood the complexities and the insidious nature of the disease. So my hope is that in talking about it this week as per Brenda and her verbiage, and then also next week with Angela, that we can kind of a little bit um, understand a little bit more and then, you know, feel a little bit more empowered in our life to take action to help prevent it or to get it a little bit more controlled than it might be now. Or maybe you just want to be educated on it because, again, I think most people have family members that have it and that may, in fact, increase your risk of um, of, of getting it. Um, when it comes to women, because, again, this is our Women's Health Series, even though diabetes affects men and women equally, there is a link between diabetes and heart disease. And as we know from our previous um topic of heart disease, heart disease affects women differently than it affects men. So I can leave that if you're interested in learning more about heart disease, I can leave that in the show notes. So first, we're going to really just kind of touch base about what happens in your body when, um, when, when you're somebody who doesn't have diabetes or prediabetes or anything like that. So what typically happens is, is when you eat food, all food, so I know that's it can this is gonna be tricky. So basically everything that you eat breaks down into glucose. It doesn't matter what the food source is, it breaks down into glucose. Glucose is also known as sugar. So it's basically the body's main source of energy. So you have brain cells and tissues and muscles and organs. And how you fuel that is from glucose from the food that you eat, okay? So glucose is either used because it needs it at that exact moment for whatever's happening in your body to function, or it's stored for later when your body may need it. So that's the first thing. So it's glucose, it's made, um, glucose is from the food that we eat, and that's the main source of energy for our body, Okay but there's something that we need in order to get the glucose into the cells right so you have this glucose from the food and you have the cells that need the glucose but you need something to help get the glucose into the cells and that's called insulin so insulin is basically a key as brenda would say it's like a key and so what insulin does it basically unlocks the cells and helps the glucose get in so you eat the glucose from your food, you have the cell, and then you have insulin is that little guy that goes in and unlocks and, you know, like a key, unlocks the door and lets the, um, the glucose into the cell. So insulin is basically a hormone that's made by the pancreas. And so after you eat, you know, um, insulin is secreted. And, and the goal of it is so that it can, again, help get that sugar into your cells so that your body can become nourished. And what insulin does is, is it basically lowers the amount of sugar hanging out in your bloodstream. So if you have the food and you have the cell, then insulin, what it does is, again, it's unlocking the door. It's letting all of that. That glucose that's sitting in your blood, it's letting it into your cells. So then you're going to have a decrease, um, a decrease glucose sitting in your blood because it's going into your bloodstream, right? And so what would happen is if you were to take your blood sugar levels, your blood sugar levels would be lower because that's what it's doing. It's 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 decreasing your blood sugar levels in your blood because it's getting um, the glucose into the cells where it needs, right? So there's a check- and balance here that works between your pancreas releasing um, insulin to help get into help the glucose get into your cells. And then there's also this balance with the liver that's making sure that we maintain accurate blood sugar levels. okay? So that's the basis. you know, you eat the food, glucose, it goes into your blood. insulin is the key that lets the um, the food or the glucose into your cells so that your cells are nourished. And then what happens is, is that the blood, the glucose that was sitting in your blood is now lower because it went into your cells. Okay. So that's a normal function. You don't really have any blood sugar hanging out in your, you don't have any sugar hanging out in your blood because it's going into the cells where it needs to be. That's without diabetes. And so what happens now is if you're somebody who has diabetes, When you eat the food, you eat the glucose, right? And the glucose is sitting in your bloodstream. But what's happening is, is for some reason, the insulin, there's either not enough or there could be a multitude of reasons, but the insulin can't unlock the cells with the key, okay? So what's happening is, is that that glucose can't now get into the cell for the food that it needs because the insulin isn't there. It's not working and it can't unlock the cells. So it ends up, the glucose ends up hanging out in the blood. So we call it blood glucose. And so your cells then can't get the energy or the nutrition that it needs because the glucose is still in the blood and you don't have the key, which is the insulin to unlock it, to let it in. And so Mostly like you'll when people are first diagnosed with diabetes, they may notice that they're hungry or they've had unintentional weight loss. And that's because of that mechanism is that they can't get the energy that they need, the nutrition that they need to get into the cells that they need, okay? So what happens? you're eating the glucose that's hanging out in your blood. And there's no insulin or there's not enough insulin or something's not working to get the insulin into where it needs into the place that it can unlock the key to get into the cells. So the glucose just hangs out in your bloodstream. And so because of that, it makes the pancreas work a little bit harder and harder. And it could become that it gets, it just kind of gets worn out as per Brenda, um, because it's not working, it's not working properly. And the pancreas becomes unable to take care of all that new glucose that from the food that you're eating that is now just sitting in your blood. So you have all this glucose, it can't go anywhere. It's sitting in your blood. And so the pancreas, again, the pancreas is the thing that excretes the insulin, but it's just so worn out that it can't do its job. And so then what happens is, is the liver is still doing its job, but the pancreas can't keep up with it. And so you no longer have this check and balance between the pancreas and the liver. So then the kidneys then get this extra load of glucose because your body's trying to get rid of it. Because at this point you're going to probably, um, you know, it's, it's just sitting in your bloodstream. So kidneys has a threshold of how much glucose it can have. And once it ex- it exceeds that threshold, when it can't handle all that glucose anymore, it starts to come out in your urine. And that might be like one of the warning signs of diabetes, like dehydration, excessive thirst. And when it's doing this, when it's coming out through the kidneys because you don't want it to, it's not supposed to, it ends up damaging the the cells of the kidney while it's trying to get rid of this load of glucose. Um, And Brenda said there's also this like increased risk of UTIs and yeast infections because you're having this glucose come out of your urine when it normally wouldn't. So then I think the the bigger thing in all of this is that then because that glucose is just sitting in your blood because you can't get it into the cells, all of the nerves and the capillaries and all the organs become bathed in sugar and sugar damages everything. And so you end up having um, a buildup of like, um, of plaque formation that damages all your vessels. So that's your heart disease. So an analogy that Brenda explains to her patients about, about diabetes is basically if you don't have diabetes, you get a cut on your finger. It starts to heal and get better, right? But if you're somebody who has diabetes, that's uncontrolled, right? What she says is, is that the blood sugar again, cause remember it can't get into the cells. And so, what it ends up happening is, it's like pieces of broken glass that goes throughout your whole body, and it ends up being like scabs and blockages. So it damages like all the nerves, all the capillaries, all of the um, all of the organs that you have that are in your body, right? And some of the some of the ones that take a lot of damage are the heart, because you're going to be at re- increased risk of heart disease and stroke, and then also your kidneys. Um, and so they all get like really damaged. And so if you have too much, too much glucose in the blood over the long term, there's a lot of damage to that. So like, remember that sugar is going to damage everything. So it's going to damage the blood vessels by increasing your risk of heart disease and stroke. It's going to damage the nerves and capillaries. So when you think of your eyes. Some people will have retinopathy, so they'll have different changes in their eyes, or they, they can become blind because of uncontrolled diabetes. Um, your kidneys, there is some damage with that excess gl- glucose load in your kidneys. And so over time, if left uncontrolled, there ends up being um, some kind of kidney failure, and, which might even have you on dialysis, like my patient's. Um, you can get neuropathy. So a lot of people with, um, diabetes will complain about numbness in their fingers and their, um, and their feet. Um, sometimes it can be gastroparesis because it also affects your GI tract. So that usually means like, um, delayed gastric emptying, your body can't empty out all that fat that it used to because there's some damage from diabetes. And what's devastating about all of this is that it is irreversible, So if your diabetes is uncontrolled for a long period of time, you can't reverse those things that are happening and those long-term results of uncontrolled diabetes, again, it's just, I mean, it's, it's horrible and devastating. And so Brenda was telling me that when she, her big, you know, she basically says that why diabetes is so terrible besides all these things that I'm telling you is that people can't feel it when it's happening. And it isn't painful, it's basically just something that shows up, you know, on blood work. And so because of that, I think that people don't understand the consequences of it. And, you know, Brenda was saying that most people, when she meets them, it's it's usually, you know, they've had it for a really long time and there's a lot of damage and she feels like that most people say to her, the number one thing that people say to her is like, gosh, I wish I would have known all the damage that it that it caused or could have caused me because maybe I could have done more to control it. And so that's why, you know, we're going to talk about it today because it's, it's devastating the impact over time if it's uncontrolled. So now that we've talked about like what normal function is, what happens with diabetes, let's talk a little bit about how would you know if you had prediabetes or diabetes, I told you in the earlier in the episode that I actually have prediabetes. Well, how did I find out? Well, when you go to your doctor, um, you know, you should probably go to your doctor at least routinely. And usually they'll do some kind of a test. It's called a hemoglobin A1c. And basically what that is, is it's not just them pricking your finger to see what your blood sugar is at this moment. It's basically like a longer term blood test. So it looks at your average blood sugar over the past 2 to 3 months. So it gives you like a longer term picture of what's happening with your blood sugar. So it's 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 going to tell you like how much how much sugar is like sitting in your blood. And then based on that range, it's going to form a level, whatever that number is. So if you're somebody who is at risk or has prediabetes, that level on your hemoglobin A1c will be between 5.7 and 6.5. If you're somebody who is classified as having diabetes, your hemoglobin A1c would be 6.5 or higher. So that means you have more sugar that's just sitting in your blood. Okay, so that's going to be a diagnosis of diabetes. So with prediabetes, again, this is an A1c level between 5.7 and and less than 6.5. This means that your blood sugar is higher than it should be, but it's not quite high enough to be classified as diabetes. But one of the concerning things about prediabetes, why I'm worried, is because it's a precursor to diabetes. So if left uncontrolled, it can lead to diabetes. And so the goal in prediabetes is to prevent the progression of the disease into um into diabetes okay now when we talk about diabetes basically it is having an a1c a hemoglobin a1c of 6.5 or higher that classifies somebody as having diabetes and Diabetes is is different. So there's, I feel like everyone puts diabetes together in one category, but it's actually there's two different categories for diabetes. So there is one type of diabetes that is basically happens to like younger people, and it's not usually it's not a result of lifestyle at all. It's it's caused by um, like some kind of like autoimmune destruction. So the body has somehow destroyed something the cells in the pancreas. And so they're not working properly. Some people will call this like type 1 diabetes or insulin-dependent diabetes. But usually what happens in this kind of diabetes is basically that the cells in the pancreas are damaged. So they can't make insulin. So it has nothing to do with lifestyle, nothing. And it's basically like there's no insulin, so the sugar just builds up in the blood. And so those people need insulin in order because they can't produce it, they can't make it, and it's irreversible. So they're not going to be able to do that. So they need insulin to be able to do that for them. So they usually need to take some kind of insulin to help the role of what, since they don't make insulin, they need to they need to get it somewhere else. They usually are somebody who are on medications or some kind of insulin medication. And these are people that you're usually going to see um, they might have like, um, continuous glucose monitoring and things like that. Um, and again, these people tend to be young and it's, you know, some kind of autoimmune disease that happens very quickly. And all of a sudden somebody is diagnosed with diabetes. Now, the second kind of diabetes, this is going to be the one that's probably going to be relevant to most people in, uh, that are listening to this podcast. This can be called, um, adult onset. It can be called type two diabetes There's lots of different ways that it's referenced, but basically this diabetes starts in adulthood and something stops working, which is what causes this diabetes to happen. So, you know, Brenda says there's two different reasons why it happens. Either you can't make enough insulin or your pancreas can't give out the insulin that it needs. So the first one would be like, you have some kind of, um, you have some kind of something's happening. You're losing some kind of pancreas function. And that might be because your pancreas is working really, really hard. And we're going to talk about the risk factors, but it could be one of them could be that you've gained weight or you're not active. And so your pancreas is working really 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 hard to keep up with the demand of the of the glucose that's coming from the food and so it just kind of tuckers out and it can't function like it used to it's not as efficient or it can be that you you know you you build up like you just can't get the you just can't get the insulin so you can't get the key the key's not working as efficiently to get into the cells and so it, it's, just, it's just not working um, as smoothly, and so it ends up having some buildup in your blood. And so for this kind of diabetes, the risk factors are usually um, weight. So, you know, again, we talk about weight on this podcast, but not in the sense of any weight shaming or anything. We're just talking about disease state. But what typically happens is is that the more weight you carry, the harder it is for the insulin to get into the cells that it needs to get into. So weight is a precursor to diabetes, <clears throat> being inactive, which is probably most of us, right? So the less active you are, it's it puts you at greater risk because when you are physically active, right, when you're like walking or you're doing something, all that blood all that glucose that is sitting in your blood, it can help, it starts to circulate. So it's a way that you can start to get it into the cells, how it needs to go. But if you're not active, then there's no way for that to happen. And then the blood glucose remains in just kind of sitting in your blood with nowhere to go. Um, As you age, so as people get older, there is an increased risk of developing diabetes. They don't know if it's related to um, you know, a, an increase in weight as people get older or or um because maybe we're less active, but somehow age is related to that. Genetics plays a role. So if you have a family history, which I do, I think probably most people do, you are gonna be at increased risk of developing diabetes. We know that or the research suggests that race also increases your risk. So for whatever reason, genetically, People of black, Hispanic, American Indian, or Asian and Asian Americans have a much higher risk of developing diabetes. If you're somebody who had gestational diabetes, so if you're somebody who had high blood sugar during pregnancy, even if it resolved, which it probably did for most people after your baby was born, you're still at risk for developing diabetes if you've had gestational diabetes. If you're somebody who has polycystic ovary syndrome, so PCOS, you're going to be at risk for diabetes. More at risk if you're somebody who has um, high blood pressure. For some, they they think there's some research that shows that high blood cl- that high um, high blood pressure, um, uncontrolled and elevated cholesterol and triglycerides also increase your risk of diabetes. So now, what do we do? Like, so you know what diabetes looks like what's happening in your body, you know what your hemoglobin A1c is. So if your hemoglobin A1c is greater than is 6.5 or higher then you're considered with diabetes. So what the heck do you do? What do you do if you go to your doctor and you take a test and you're pre-diabetic or you're diabetic? Well, the first thing if you're pre-diabetic is to try to get you to a place that you um, can prevent yourself from progressing into diabetes. And if you're somebody who has diabetes, the goal would be to control your blood sugar so that over the long term, you're not going to have all of those complications because people can have diabetes for a long time. And, the, and the, if your blood sugar is controlled, it's probably going to do a lot less damage. So the goal for most adults that have diabetes is a hemoglobin A1C that's less than seven. So if you're somebody who's hanging out in like the 10 range or the 14 range, there's going to be some room for improvement there. Um, And if you're somebody who, you know, that's just a a range, you may be seeing an endocrinologist or a diabetes doctor or nurse practitioner like Brenda, and for you, that number may, may need to be less. So it's all very individualized according to what your family history is. And so we're not going to talk a lot about Um, a lot today about prevention because we're going to really focus on that next week. But I wanted to leave you with something so that you're not like, oh my gosh, you've told me all these things, now what do I do? But one of the ways or two of the ways that you can decrease your risk or progression and control your diabetes is weight loss. So the research shows that a weight loss of 7% of your current body weight leads to, um, leads to improved, you know, like you're going to have improvement of your blood sugar numbers. You're going to have improvement of your risk of developing diabetes and exercise. Cause remember we talked about how exercise kind of helps, um, get that, you know, it, because your body's using, um, it, when you're exercising, your body needs some energy and it needs, it needs to fuel the cells for the exercise. Right. And so exercise helps kind of get that blood Sugar that's sitting in your blood kind of helps get it out and helps kind of get it where it needs to because it uses it. And so the recommendations are to exercise thirty minutes a day, five days a week. And so there are the two big ones um, that we know that we've that we've talked about. And again, we'll talk more to Angela next week about um, diabetes because her she talks a lot about diabetes and stress, which is really fascinating. And we didn't talk about that at all today because I really wanted to just kind of talk about the basics. Um, another thing is if you're somebody who has diabetes or was pre- or recently diagnosed with diabetes, there's all of these like diabetes prevention programs out there. When I first became a dietitian, I actually, as part of my training, I had to go to one of these, um, one of these programs and they're really great and they're typically covered by insurance because, again, diabetes has long-term complications. So it's typically covered by insurance because of that. And there they teach you different things about diet, lifestyle. They teach you about your medications. It's pretty interesting. So a lot of the information that I got here that I'll keep in the, um, in the show notes is from diabetes.org. And so, you know, you can find more information there about those programs. And then also on diabetes.org, um, there is a risk test that you can take to see what your risk of, of developing diabetes is, if that's something that you're interested in. And so I wanted to give a special shout out and thank you to my friend, Brenda Blyler, um, because I wouldn't have been able to understand or to talk about this episode, um, but I think in a way that's using verbiage that's a little bit more user friendly, um, and I wouldn't be able to understand it if she didn't explain it to me. So I really appreciate. Um, thank you, Brenda, for helping me. And if you know somebody who has diabetes or is at risk or has prediabetes, please, you know, share this episode with them because again, the goal is to you know, provide the education so that we can, so that we can kind of eliminate any guilt or shame, and we can talk about it, and so we can get you in a place, all of us, that we are decreasing our risk of diabetes. Again, I'm right there with you. I have pre diabetes. Um, you know, come follow me on social. I am at Whole Health Empower and on Instagram, and then I have a Facebook group called Whole Health Empowerment Project, but I haven't been there, but I'm going to try to be there soon. I have not been really good at my Facebook groups. So as always, um, start where you're at, and it's just remembering to take one step forward today, and taking that step forward practiced over time and consistently will help put you in the direction that you want to be in terms of your health, wellness, and self-care goals. So thank you so much for listening today. Um, I hope you have a great week and I will see you back here next week with Angela so we can talk more about diabetes. And I think she'll probably answer a lot of the questions that you may have.